Welcome to another episode of the Double Coma Club with your host, Nicole Ruth of the Ruth Team, the number one lending team in Colorado. So I want to talk a little bit about investing in today's market. So my husband and I are under contract on a fourplex and a single family. And you're like, in this market this year? So that's what I want to talk about. This morning on CNBC, they were talking about the fact that we were entering into a housing recession. And what does that look like? Specifically talking about builders. The builder conversation was kind of a paradigm of all the builders today and how they're trying to address the fact that they got a little bit in front of their demand. So they had some of their demand back out because interest rates had gone up and they can no longer afford the home. But they also started spec building or building in a different way because they had to take into account the higher costs. And in a time when the demand was off the charts and you couldn't build them fast enough, it seemed like a safe bet. So they're building homes that now they need to sell quickly if they're not going to have to do price reductions. Now, you could say, golly, that feels a little bit like 2008, right? I mean, so we had the height of the market in 2005. We started to go down. Our value started to go down in 2006. And then we kind of hit the bottom. In fact, we kind of hit the bottom somewhere around 2011 when we just actually had a housing. Fannie Mae put out a confidence survey talking about the fact that we now have the least confidence or home buyers think it's the worst time to buy since 2011. If I go back and look at the HPI, the home price index, 2011 (laughs) was the bottom. And I get it why it wasn't a good time to buy then because you were feeling like it was never going to end. But interestingly enough, if you did buy then, you made a significant amount of money. In fact, you absolutely timed the market. Your chooser would have been spot on. Now, my chooser wasn't spot on, but I did buy a property in 2011 as well as 2009 and 2014 and 15 and a number of other years. It's not about timing the market. It's about providing opportunity for later. It's about options. I say this all the time. Real estate isn't about the money. It's about options. And so as I'm listening to the CNBC report talking about the housing going into recession and I'm talking to real estate agents saying that their buyers have left the building and they're kind of hiding out and you see things on Facebook talking about the fact that you need to move to cash. And then we did a TikTok all about the return on investment. If I buy a a property today and it just appreciates at a 3.6 historic appreciation, what that down payment can yield me And then, of course, people are like, yeah, but equity is not the same as cash. So that's really what I want to focus on today. Just a little bit about investing today versus 2009. And we chose 2009, not because it was the top or the bottom, but because it was when I bought my first property. And buying today, we're under contract on another fourplex right now set to close in 30 days. So why am I choosing to buy today? And why did I choose to buy in 2009? That's what I want to talk about today, because it's not about fear and it's more about inaction that doesn't provide stability and opportunity down the road. The longer you sit still, the longer until you can create the financial future you're counting on. There are people that are holding right now in cash and I totally get it. 
like especially if you have a concern about where your job or your income is going, paying off your debt is a really good move. It is a really good move. And I don't live very debt heavy. My debt is all supported by real estate. It's the debt that my tenants are paying down. And all of my debt pays on an accelerated amortization, meaning I have goals and those goals are met in a certain timeline. And I'm not young anymore. I wish I was. And I get to live through my kids in that regard where they have a full 30 year mortgage term to be able to wait until that property is paid off. I don't. So I'm paying them on an accelerated format. So if I lose a tenant or a tenant's not paying, I just drop those mortgage payments back to a 30 year and it gives me cushion and I've got reserves and the whole thing. So if we break that down a little bit, why, why am I buying today? Why did I buy in 2009? So 2009 was a breakout year for me in the sense that I grew in a way that I did not see coming. And some of you have already heard the story, so I won't let it drag out too long. But for those of you who haven't, I think it's important because it starts the progression of where we go from here. And I think, and I pray, if it helps just one, and please comment below, like and share this video if you think it's gonna help a client, if you think it's gonna help someone break through the shell of fear, and into action, which supports their tomorrows because everybody's so focused on today. So I'm going to tell the story and please, please give me a little grace if you've heard the story before, but for many of you who haven't. So at some point you decide when you're going to take ownership of your financial future. And that decision wasn't made by me. Let's just be a hundred percent clear and transparent on this. This decision was made by another and it was pushed on me. That's probably not a healthy way to do this. I'm just being honest. So in 2009, I had grown up and I love my mom dearly. I know, I know how hard she worked to provide the household for my brother and I. I also know that she was a single mom, typically on commission income. She didn't really work a full-time job while my brother and I were young. She worked commission income or bonus income or, or the kind of sales gigs. And those sales gigs either worked or they didn't. You had months where it was off the charts and we were going to Disneyland and you had months where we were on food stamps and at the church for bags of groceries. It's not a lifestyle that I necessarily would want, but it's a lifestyle that was given to me and it's the lifestyle who made me who I am today. So for that, I'm grateful. I mean, you can only bless the experiences you've been through and treat them as the badges of honor to support your continued growth. I give my mom a huge badge of honor because she weathered the storm to support my brother and I so that we could have successful lives as adults, and we, we do. So a, a, a home was a roof over my head. That's it, bottom line. It was a roof over my head, and in fact, if I had that roof and I owned it, I was way ahead of the game because I'd grown up in a renting environment. So if I had a roof over my head and I owned it, man, things were good, right? Things were good. My husband and I bought our first house when we were 27 years old. Before that, I had lived in rentals um, until I was much younger. My mom and dad were divorced when I was six. So we bought our first house when I was 27 and we were good. And then we sold that house in Dallas. We bought it for 100,000, which was a lot of money for me right then. And we sold it for 200,000 when he thought we had won the lotto. And then we bought a home for 300,000 in Denver because you couldn't get a home for 200,000. We moved up to Evergreen. 
Well, that home, we, we ended up selling that home, moving to another home in, in Evergreen. It was a, a swift trade. We didn't know the area. It was one of those things. But we stayed in that home for 15 years. It was a roof over our head and a stability for our children. Until 2009, when I met a man by the name of Don Kramer, and he ended up changing my life. And I don't even know if he knows. But I tell his story often because I get to because I think it might help just one. And if it helps you, then it helps me be a better human, right? While we're here on this planet together. So we bought a fourplex together. That's the end of the story. But the beginning of the story was me going to a John Fisher investment club. I was a lender who I thought I was pretty smart. Like, you know, not a rocket scientist, but I thought, hey, I could work a deal. I'm a finance major. I understand how real estate works. I'm going to go where the hard loans are done because I'm going to win those because there I won't have any competition. Andy Andrews says that you have to play the game at a level that others don't even know a game is going on. That was my intent before I ever knew the quote. My intent was to go play a game that other lenders just simply either didn't know was going on or didn't want to participate in. Therefore, it would be mine. So I went to John Fisher Investment Club and I wanted to become the lender of the club. Uh, And while I was there, there was a lot of things going on. Like they'll trade apartment buildings for car washes and car washes for parking lots and parking lots for single family homes. And they do these crazy deals. But every once in a while, there's a Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac deal woven in there. So I went looking for realtors. He went with a deal looking for an investor. We sat side by side and we engaged and he won. We only did that one deal together. I didn't get a realtor, but he got an investor. And he taught me along the way what it would take to fill that place up or to maintain it, to manage it, to turn it over, to rent it out. The opportunities that that investment would create. It was 330000 I actually thought it was 400000 but I stand corrected. My marketing manager, Cara, went and dug out the records. 330000 in 2009. It's a fourplex. We still own it. And it's worth well over a million dollars today. In fact, we're gonna do a video next Wednesday showing the inside of that unit and what a grade C unit rental looks like. And I'm gonna show you my first building. So that property today with the equity in it through HELOCs and cash out refinances and through the other income that we've had has been able to build us now to 24 doors and in a month we'll have 29. So why do I do that? Right? Why not just one house or one property or one rental? Because I have goals. It's really important that if you're going to invest in real estate, you know what your target is. Do you know how old you want to retire? There are people that just want to skim the top off and they just want to stop working right now. And I get that. That is one investment strategy. That's not my investment strategy. My investment strategy is I'm working. I love my job. I love my job. Right? And I don't want to stop it. But I know that there will be a time that I'll either want to or need to, to slow down. And when that comes, I don't want to have to worry about money. And I certainly don't want to have to burden anybody else to help me get there. So if that is my goal, then what does that look like? What is that age that I want to retire full in, right? Or, or maybe it's a half job type of a situation. What is that age? How much money do I want? at that time and be real. Everybody talks about the fact that I want less, right? Like I'll need less. Yes, I won't have payroll taxes, but you'll be surprised that one number one issue with retirees is the fact that they didn't anticipate how much of an impact taxes, income taxes, even on your investments that you're pulling out, right? Income taxes, 
and healthcare was going to cost them. So I'm not going cheap. I'm going to know how much, you know, maybe I do want a new car. Maybe I do want to go on those vacations, or maybe I do want to buy the things that will bring me joy or even better, bring my kids or their kids joy. I want to be able to have options. So I want to put myself in a position where I have enough to have those options based on what I'm experiencing now. How much money am I making now? What is that a month? Kind of articulate what it is, the lifestyle that I want. My husband and I pencil and paper, what would that look like? What would we do? How much money would we need? So if I know a date and I know how much money I need, then I can start backing into what, how old am I today and what resources do I have today to continue to purchase real estate? Now, my financial advisor will tell me that I'm overexposed in real estate and I will admit to that fact. And I do have some money in the stocks, but stocks doesn't give me options. If the stock market is up, I can take out stocks. I can cash it out and I can put that money in my checking account. If stocks aren't doing well, I can't take out that money that year or maybe I can't take out as much. In fact, it puts me on a leash. It doesn't give me options. Now, had I put money in Apple or Intel all those years ago and let it ride, maybe I'd have some more options than I do, but I don't. My stock chooser is broken. But what does work is my real estate chooser. So if I'm putting money, a portion, I'm using leverage and I'm putting 20%, 25% down on an investment and I'm allowing those tenants to pay down that investment and I'm counting on a minimum amount of equity gain through appreciation, but all of the principal reduction realized by the time I want to retire and based on a conservative amount of rental income, maybe 1% a year increase. Yes, we're seeing a lot more than that now, but I'm not counting on now. And if I get that 1% increase and I get the principal reduction and I get a historic average appreciation, where will that property put me in my overall goal set? And now I'm thinking my goals and my kids' goals. How do I help my kids reach their goals, right? So we found this property and we happened to find it in Kansas City. Now, having said that, there are still deals here. And next week on Live Tuesday, I'm hoping I put out an, a request. I haven't heard back yet from Christy if she'll join us talking about the current investment that she's buying today because it's still working here even in the Denver market. There's just fewer of them to get a hold of. More opportunities in the Denver market if you look at a single family with a rentable basement or an auxiliary dwelling in the backyard. I digress. There are opportunities across the country. It depends specifically on the goals you are trying to achieve. My kids are still buying investment properties here because they have 30 years. I, on the other hand, have 10. So it's a different set of parameters for a different set of goals. Super important that you know where you're headed. So 2009, we bought a property for 330 in 2000. And 22, let's just get 2023 here, shall we? 2022 has been interesting. So 2022, we're buying for a very similar price, but in a different market that won't have the kind of appreciation that Denver has. I'm not doing it for an appreciation play. I have the 24 doors already in Denver that I'm counting on for an appreciation play. I'm doing this one to add to the cash flow opportunities to stack the back end of my retirement because I have goals and over the first 10 years, we're going to maximize our 401k distributions and the rentals that we have. And then 10 years after that, additional properties like this one will come into play when the 401k runs out. And so we're going to stack these in an orderly fashion. And we talk about all of this and even more at Building an Investment Empire every 
second Thursday night here in the office at 6.30. If you want to join us, make sure that we'll put the RSVP link in the comments below. But this isn't about making money. And it's not even about doing a deal, right? It's about options. It's about helping me, my kids, those I serve, my clients, my real estate agents to create a space in the future where they know they are taken care of because there's not a pension anymore. No corporations giving pensions. You can create your own. What does that look like? And I get the fact that right now we're talking about a housing recession. We're talking about interest rates are higher than cap rates. We're talking about home prices have gone up. This morning on CNBC, they were talking about the housing recession with the new builds. I started out with that conversation. New builds are 10% of the market. Don't get sucked into the headlines thinking we're going to have a housing crash if we have a housing recession. It is different. Those new builders are trying to figure out how to get the current properties that they have started, not yet completed, completed and sold because they need to recalculate how and what they're going to build going forward. So as soon as those run off the line, they're only 10% of the market. We still have an existing home sale inventory issue nationwide that will continue to give the lift to those home values. I believe home values locally, some neighborhoods and some homes should never have gone for 100,000 over, but they did. We will see some rebalancing, but overall, we're going to continue to see a much slower but normalized appreciation where, yes, at some point, we're going to see rates drop down again when we hit a recession, so you can always refinance. And in the meantime, I'm thinking not today, but 10 years, 20 years, and 30 years down the road, and how am I protecting myself and waiting for the deal to happen and for the bubble to burst and for next year with home prices to go down and interest rates and the whole thing while I'm sitting waiting, I'm not building my tomorrow. Well, that's a wrap. Nicole Ruth with the Ruth team. Hope you guys are having a fabulous day. Hope you share this. Make sure to comment below. How can we help you succeed in your future goals? And I'll talk to you then. You've been listening to the Double Comma Club. Never miss an episode. Subscribe at thedoublecommaclub.com to hear more success stories and to get free tips on how you can get on the path to becoming a millionaire through real estate at any age. Remember, visit thedoublecommaclub.com and subscribe.